All right. Good morning. Sometimes worship is just too good, isn't it? That was awesome. So glad to see you guys today. We're uh, we're continuing our series in Isaiah. Uh, how many of you guys were here last week when Pastor Shane brought down the house? Right, great, great, great sermon. Right, and the story that he talked about is the same story that Joe talked about two weeks ago, um, and it's the same story that plays out today. Right, it's that story that we've talked about in regard to the king of Judea of Jerusalem who was trying to trying to find some help, right? He was trying to find a partner and he, and he got a word from the Lord in regard to what he should do and he ignored it. He ignored the word and he, he made his own path. And that's the story that plays out for the next two or three chapters. And we're, so we're, we're still in that idea where God's word is out there and given to this king and he, he chooses, he just chooses to ignore it and he chooses to do his own thing. It reminded me of when I was Reminded me when I was a kid, how many of you, when you were sick, your mom used to make you soup, right? I, I still don't understand that, right? I'm not sure what the power of soup was, right? But when I was sick, this was the soup I always wanted, right? And, you know, when you're sick, this is the soup that I wanted, right? right? I, you know, I'm not sure that there was any medicinal value in the chicken noodle soup, right? My mom, you know, she was old school, right? She wanted to give me this soup, right? Vegetable beef, right? Like that sounds like the worst soup in the world. But that wasn't the worst. The worst soup that she wanted to give me was known as alphabet soup. Anybody remember that? Right? Ugh, I hated alphabet soup. And it always felt like when she gave it to me, she was putting words in my mouth. Thank you. That's better. You know, and those words, listen, those words she gave me, they just felt so canned. There you go. There you go. See, Joe was supposed to preach today. And he got sick. And yeah, so you could pray for him. So, um, so I, I saw his joke and I thought, I'm just going to tell the joke because I want to know what it feels like to just be received so poorly when you tell <laughs> such a bad joke. So, so listen, all I can say is that's a man, that's a man with some strong fortitude to put up with that, right? I don't know how you're supposed to preach after that, right? W- what's worse was I told the joke last night and I told it wrong. So I get off stage, I get off stage and the first thing I get is two texts, one from an elder who said, quick question. He said, did you mean alphabet soup? Because the picture was vegetable beef. I was like, yeah. And Joe texted me and he said, good job on the joke, question mark, question mark, right? Yeah, that's how I was greeted when I came off stage last night, right? So, yeah, words, listen, words not only matter when we say them, words matter when we choose which words to listen to. Here's what Isaiah said in Isaiah 8 last time we were here, when men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of the dawn. Listen, The king had a word from God and he chose to ignore that word. He chose to simply make his own way in the process. And because of that, Isaiah predicted, 
Isaiah predicted what that would be like at the end of the chapter, in chapter 8, in verses 21 and 22. And here's what he said about a life that these folks would have based upon that decision. He said they would be distressed and hungry. They will roam through the land. And when they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. He says, then they will look toward the earth and they will see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Man, those words paint a picture of the world that we live in, right? There's so, so many people who listen, who have a word from God. Listen, there's no, no time in history, none where there has been more access to the word of God than ever before. I mean, we have, we have access to God's word in so many forms. I mean, there's so much at times criticism about all the technology and all that's available. Listen, God uses all of that stuff too. And it's available like crazy. More people today than ever before have a word from God. And yet how many of them have chose their own way, right? Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to us. And the end of that way is destruction, right? So many people find themselves in the same place that King Ahaz found himself. And that was in choosing their own way. But all of us need a little bit of hope, right? All of us need something that's hopeful. And at times it's hard to find that. And Isaiah, Isaiah provides hope in these next four verses after painting this incredibly gloomy picture of what life looks like when we choose our own path. So I'm asking you to stand out of respect for God's word. And we're going to read these first four verses of Isaiah chapter nine as the narrative continues. Isaiah nine says, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. Nevertheless, in spite of the distress and the anguish and the rage, right? In spite of everything that you see, he says, nevertheless, There'll be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. He says, you've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you've shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. You guys can be seated. And that passage goes on to make one of the great promises of the book of Isaiah. You know, as we've said all throughout this series, listen, one of the hopes is that you'll read it, right? That you'll read this 66 chapter book. And listen, Isaiah is a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing read. I mean, if you're into, into great literature, Isaiah's right up there. Isaiah contains more words, more different words than any other book in scripture, including the Psalms, right? More prophecies about Jesus than any other writing in the scriptures, Quoted more times in the New Testament. It's a fascinating read. And so we encourage you to read it. But one of the great promises is contained in the end of, in, in, in chapter nine, 
verses 6 and 7 when he promises that all of what we're going to talk about today comes in the form of this one person, right? Our wonderful counselor, right? Our prince of peace, right? Our king of kings and lord of lords. It comes in the form of Jesus. Some 700 years before Jesus has ever come across the radar, this prophet in Judah is talking about what we get when he shows up. And so here's the first element of hope in regard to ignoring that message from the Lord. And that is, is that gloom is left in the dust. That gloom is left in the dust, right? He says there in verse 1 that nevertheless, nevertheless, meaning, listen, no matter where you find yourself today, no matter where you're at today, here, online, in Palm Bay, the land, wherever you're at, he says, there's hope. There's a point in a time where gloom can be removed to those who are in distress. You know, the Hebrew word for gloom is interesting. It's a, it's a word that literally means to be covered. And what it literally means is to be covered by wings. And I thought, well, that's a, you know, that's a weird concept. How do I, how do I portray that? I grew up with an older brother and two younger sisters. My older brother was the kind of kind of kid that when he was 13 years old, 14, he was full grown. Like his body was as developed at 14 as it was when he was 44. I wasn't that fortunate. I was tall. I was skinny. I was intimidated by him. And so I used my mouth to try to overpower him. Because what I knew was if he ever caught me, I was in trouble. Here's a picture. I think we have a picture of my brother. That's my brother, Dallas. Yeah, I can take him now easily, right? You know, but when we were younger, I was scared to death of him, right? I just knew that if he ever got his hands on me, you know, I was, I was in trouble. And so he did, he got his hands on me, right? And then he got, he got on top of me, all right? And then he did that thing that I don't know if you've ever experienced this or not, but he got his knees up on the fatty part of my arm. Right? He put his knees right on that spot that no matter how often you lay in the tanning bed is always white, right? He, he put his knees, he put his, you know what I'm talking about, right? Right? He put his knees right there on both of them, right? And he got, and he got like, he got like on top of me and like got over me. And all I know is that the sun was darkened, right? Because he completely blocked it out, right? And all I know is, is that, that, that overwhelming feeling I felt in that moment is exactly what Isaiah talks about. Listen, there are a lot of you, a lot of you online in Palm Bay and Deland, a lot of us that know the feeling of feeling so oppressed and so distressed in this world that we feel this gloom that hangs over us. That's exactly what he says that can be left in the dust when we turn to Jesus. And here's the cool part about that passage. He says there, he mentions these, these lands, Naphtali and Zebulon, right? He talks about these places being basically dishonored and then being honored. Here's a map at the time to sort of show you that the far left arrow is the land of Zebulun and the top arrow is the land of Naphtali. These were in the northern part of the nation of Israel, right? In the northern part. When invaders would come from the north, it was always these two tribes 
that incurred the invasion first. Of all of the people in the nation of Israel, these were the most oppressed. These were the most broken. These were the most hopeless. Right? These were the most marginalized, defeated people in the nation of Israel. Because as the Assyrian Empire, the one that reigned in that day, as the Assyrian Empire came down to attack in Israel, they went through Zebulun and Naphtali first. And here's why that's significant. Because God comes to those who are broken and oppressed And you might be sitting here this morning and you might be watching online or sitting in Palm Bay or sitting in the land. And you might be thinking, there's no way this oppression and this gloom can ever be removed from me. You might feel like you are just like Naphtali and Zebulun. I am broken beyond measure. And I'm such an insignificant place that the only thing good for me is to feel oppressed and broken. Listen, the promise in Jesus is that's not the case. The gospel always goes to incredibly unexpected places. I mean, for crying out loud, the gospel found its way to Wheeler, Illinois. No stoplight, a post office, and 150 people. And somehow in this incredibly huge world full of billions of people, the gospel found its way to Wheeler, Illinois. Listen, I don't, I don't care how obscure and how broken you feel you are today and how heavy the gloom is. The promise of Jesus is nevertheless, nevertheless, no matter how unexpected you think and feel it could ever be for the gospel to come and relieve you of this, it can happen. Listen, and we, we love at Tomoka, what we love is we love taking the gospel to incredibly remote, unexpected places. So I want to introduce you to one of our missionaries today from a, a group that we've supported for years here called Taking It, Taking Christ to the Millions, right? There he is, right? I'm going to let him introduce himself today and just give you a quick blurb about what TCM does and how we can support it. My name is Fred Hansen. I'm professor of biblical studies at TCM and partnered with Tomoka, we teach Christian leaders to make disciples who make disciples in 45 countries of the world. Our supporters and students can dip their toes in the Pacific Ocean off California, and they can dip their toes in the Pacific Ocean off the east coast of Russia, and you are a great part of this. And we appreciate your prayers, and we certainly appreciate your financial support and partnership. TCM's been doing this work since 1957, right? When they found, were founded in Canada. They eventually found their way into Austria where they have their, their setup at. And like you said, they have this incredible reach into some of the most remote, unexpected places in the world. So here's a couple of things we want you to do. Fred will be out in the lobby uh, with TCM. Been a longtime partner here. You guys have been a part of seeing the gospel spread in some incredible places with what God can do to those in gloom and see that relief come to them through Jesus. One of the things that, that Fred told me was one of the challenges they're facing is as they bring these leaders, as they bring these leaders to the headquarters to teach them, one of the challenges they're finding is, is that these leaders, once they get trained there, they don't want to leave. They don't want to go back home. They don't want to go back to their indigenous lands and see the gospel um, 
preach there. And so one of the things we're asking you as a church here online at Palm Bay and the land is to pray for that to be broken in those leaders, to allow them to come and to be trained and to find what equipping they need, but then to feel the call to go back to their Jerusalem and to share the gospel. And so we're going to ask you to, to partner with us and pray for that. And as always, listen, money spends no matter where you're at in the world. And so any support that we can give TCM, we can assure you that this ministry has been doing this for over 64 years and the gospel is in great hands in TCM. And so we're honored to partner with them. So I'm going to ask you here, I'm going to ask you in Palm Bay to land online to just reach out your hand and we're going to just pray for Fred and for TCM. Father, thank you for, um, thank you for the promise that nevertheless, um, there's hope in a savior. And no matter how overpowering our gloom is and how it feels, nevertheless, you can see that that's removed from us. And so we're, we're grateful on a personal level. And Father, we're grateful for partners like TCM, a partnership that allows us to work together to see that the gospel does exactly what you told the disciples to do. And that is go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And so, Father, our prayer is that you would just continue to open that door of ministry to TCM. We do pray, Father, for the power of your Holy Spirit to break to break into that bondage at times that comes when leaders are trained and they, they flock together and they find the joy of that fellowship, that sweet fellowship together. We pray that you would break that bonds and send those leaders back home uh, so the gospel can be preached and shared in these incredibly unexpected places. So, Father, thank you for our brother Fred. We pray your blessing upon him, his family, and most of all, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to share in the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you guys give him a hand? Thanks, brother. You know, I love that phrase, nevertheless, right? There's hope that gloom can be left in the dark. But there's also this promise of hope, and that is, is that darkness will be replaced by light. Darkness will be replaced by light. I've said this before, man, but I grew up terrified of the dark. I don't know why, but I just, I just did. Now, I asked this question last night, and I was really surprised by the response. How many of you ever grew up scared of the dark? That's really funny. I asked that last night at 6.30. Nobody raised their hand, right? So I was left to believe either there's a bunch of liars at 6.30, right? Or, I, as I said to them, I figure most people who were scared of the dark would show up at 9.30 this morning. So thanks, right? 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 Here's how, this is the only thing that I could think of that, that when we talk about the power of darkness. I'm not a person that goes into caves. Like Joe, Joe is a, Joe's a cave nut. Like if there's a hole in the ground, you know, I have to tie a rope on him to keep him out of it, right? Like, I don't know what it is about him, but he likes to go into caves. I was a student pastor for many years when I first started ministry. And one of the things I found myself was we had to take our students on what was called the wilderness week of camp. I volunteered I wasn't a wilderness kind of guy, even though I grew up in the country, right? So we took these kids on a wilderness camp. And one of the days on the schedule, we were to go caving. Now, listen, caving is a... How many of you have been in a cave? This was... That amazes me, right? I mean, 90% of people last night were the same. I don't know what it is about a cave. But here's the thing. If you try to fit a six foot four, 200 pounds, right, into the into the cave. It's not a great fit. 
it's a challenge. But here's the, here's the overwhelming part of, a, of any cave to me. If you stay in a cave long enough, you eventually find a point in the cave with the complete absence of light. Now, I don't know about you, but that's one of the creepiest things I've ever been a part of. Right? Is that when you can get so far into a space that there is literally the absence of light. Not, not poor light, not little light, but the complete absence of light. That darkness is heavy. You can feel it. And it's not quiet. When you get into dark where there is the absence of light, it is overwhelming in its noise in your head. It is, to me, it was paralyzing. And here was the dumb part. We spent the night in the cave, right? I don't And here's the thing. I woke up thinking it was morning. And when I finally crawled out of the cave, it was three in the morning, right? Because there's no sense in reality. Here's what... Here's what the writer says. Here's what the prophet says. He says, those who walk in darkness have seen a great light. There was no, there was no bigger joy on my face than to exit that cave and to see any amount of light. In you know, 35 years of doing this and nearly 40 at being a believer, and I know this without a doubt, here, online, Palm Bay in the land, so many people come to church and they still live in utter darkness. Churches are filled every Sunday, every Saturday night, every Wednesday with people who just feel like they're living in utter darkness, that there's a complete absence of light. And you heard Pastor Shane talk last week about fear, right? And how the mind contributes to our fear. How that if we don't control how we think, that can create this fear and that fear can lead to anxiety. And, and, and anxiety unchecked can lead to this unbelievable hopelessness and despair. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you felt it. You felt overwhelmed by it. Here's the promise of the prophet in the form of Jesus, who will be our wonderful counselor, right? Our prince of peace. And that's this. Those who walk in darkness will see a great light. That's what Jesus brings to us. Listen to this passage in Colossians 1. Paul says it much better than I can. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. How? Because he's rescued us from the dominion or the kingdom or the authority of darkness. And he's brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves and whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus this morning, whether you're here, whether you're online, Palm Bay or Deland, if you're a believer in Jesus at any of our campuses, can I just hear you say, amen? amen. Right? Here's what, here's what the promise of scripture is. You've been released from the dominion and authority and rule of the kingdom of darkness. And you've been rescued from that. Set free from it. And not just set free. You've been put into the kingdom of his marvelous light. And into the kingdom of the son that he loves. And here's the thing. Listen, listen to what um, 
Acts says about that testimony. Here's Paul trying to explain to King Agrippa what that means to be rescued from darkness and brought into the kingdom of this wonderful light. He says to Agrippa about this testimony, and this is Jesus speaking to Paul, I'm going to rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. He says to Paul, I'm going to send you to them. Why? To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Peter says it to us this way in 1 Peter 2. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. For what purpose? So that we may declare all campuses online, all of them. Everybody say the word declare, right? You've been chosen to preach the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Listen, part of this wonderful promise that those who walk in darkness will see a great light is that we've been given the responsibility to tell people about that wonderful rescue. And here's one thing that I've experienced over my life as a believer, as a pastor, and that's this. Most Christian people have a greater testimony about their days in the darkness than they ever do about their days in the kingdom of light. And can I just tell you something? The people in the world that you're trying to relate to so that you can share their struggle, don't care. You know why? Because they have their own story of darkness. So you can relate. That isn't what they care about. Here's what the people in darkness want. As a guy who spent the night in a cave, here's what I want. I want somebody to drag me to the light. Listen, don't tell me about driving a 30-year-old 30 30 piece of car that's broke down, that you got to feather the gas pedal on, right? That you got to throw into neutral and keep the foot on the gas to keep it from dying in the intersection. Don't tell me about the struggle of driving a broken down car because I did it for 30 years. Tell me about what it smells like to be in a brand new car, right? Tell me what it feels like to to drive a brand new car with no miles on it that just glides across the road. And when you go in, it's always going to start and you're never going to have to use a screwdriver across the alternator just to get it started, right? Listen, too many of us, when we talk about our experience in Jesus, we want to talk about our experience in the darkness because we think somehow that makes us a bro and we can relate to people. People who are in dark don't care if you've got a story of dark. No, mine's darker. No, yours is darker. No, mine's darker. People in dark want you to declare the praises of him who delivered us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light. And listen, here's, go ahead. You can clap about that. Absolutely. And listen, here's the thing. You want to know why most people can't talk about the kingdom of life? Because they don't have much of a story to tell. Listen, I love Tomoka for many reasons. And one of the reasons I love Tomoka is this, is because there is, there is an abundance of opportunities for you to participate in the kingdom of his marvelous light. And here's what I, here's what I know. You want a testimony? You want to declare the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light? Get into serving in the kingdom of light. Jump up and serve in children's ministry. Don't make us come out here and go, oh my gosh, we got four people back there and 400 kids. We need you, right? 
No, get back there and volunteer. Volunteer in the parking lot. Walk these halls as a greeter. If you're brave, go to student ministry. That's up to you, right? 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 Just kidding, Elijah. Right? Great job. Right? Right? But get it, get on a mission, mission team and go to Anchor Ridge, go to Guatemala City, right? Go out to the, to the Indian reservations. Do something so that when you encounter people in darkness, you've got something to tell them about how to get out of the cave. You see, the problem is most of us can commiserate. Yeah, I remember being in that cave. I know what it's like to be divorced. I listen. I know what it's like to be a drunk. I know what it's like to be an addict. I know what it, man, my story's just like yours. And off we go. Listen, you want to know what those people want to know? Can you get me out of here? Can, can you get me out of this mess? And listen, if you've got no testimony about what it's like to find that joy, man, you're at the right church because you can find a place to dig into that kingdom. You know, that's why we want you to group. Man, for some of you, the greatest testimony you've got about the praises of him who's, who's taken us out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light is your, is your community group. That's where you find your testimony. That's why we want you in a community group. Right? That's why we want you in a community group. Because it gives you a chance to have that testimony. And listen, here's what... Let's, let's make it personal. We can't call it preaching if we don't get personal, right? Ephesians 5 and verse 8. Here's what Paul says about that light. Again, we're not done, right? For you were once darkness. Listen, you may not like that. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're in Palm Bay. Maybe you're in Deland. Maybe you're online. And you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to figure out this faith journey, right? You're trying to figure out what this God is, what this Jesus is in this whole thing. And maybe you don't want to hear that you are in darkness, well, listen, we love you and we're glad you're here in this space online to delay upon. I'm so glad you're here, but you might as well know the truth. You might as well know what we believe about the truth here and online and everywhere else. You might as well know the truth that listen, when you live without Jesus, you live in darkness. And so all of us here, Palm Bay, to land online that know Jesus, we were once in darkness. But he says this to us, but now, but now you are what? Everybody say light, light. right? We are light in the Lord. Here's what he says. So live as children of light. He goes on to describe it for the fruit of the light consists in all Shane did this last week and you guys were so good at it, right? Repeating words or saying them, right? That's 6.30 last night. <laughs> Terrible, right? Consist in all what? And all what? And all what? Much better than last night. Still not as good as how Shane led you through it, right? But, and he says, and find out what pleases the Lord. And then he goes on to say, as children of light have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of the darkness, but rather expose them. And that expose them isn't pointing your finger. Listen, all you got to do to expose things in the dark is walk in as light. Right? That's it. He says, for it is shameful even to mention what disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Listen, if you've been... One of those people that used to walk in darkness and has seen a great light, man, thank you, Jesus. Amen, church. Amen. And listen, if you've got that, then you've got a testimony. 
And if you don't have a testimony, man, you need to, you need to develop one because people in dark need to find somebody who can get them out of there. Not a fellow traveler. So you need a story in the light. But here's the thing, church, Ormond, Palm Bay, the land online. There are things that people who are children of the light should never be doing. We shouldn't be doing them. He calls them acts of disobedience done in secret. Right? 35 years of ministry and 40 years of being a Christian. Many times I've sat in a church knowing that as a child of the light, I had lived in darkness the night before. You see, part of the struggle for so many Christian people is this, that we love Jesus and we're so grateful that he's delivered out of darkness. But man, we still like to go back. We still like to go back. And we still like to visit the dark once in a while, don't we? It's amazing how powerful our fleshly desires are to get us back to the bar, to get us back to the strip club, to get us back to the porn, to get us back to the lion, to get us back to the cheating, to get us back into the drugs, to get us back into the gambling, to get us back into you fill out, you fill in the blank, right? No matter how powerful it is to have the testimony of the kingdom of light, it is amazing what the Christian mind at times and the Christian flesh wants to do. Let me remind you, church. That part of the responsibility of having that testimony of being rescued is we live as children of the light. Listen, there are things we shouldn't be doing. Husbands, there are things you shouldn't be doing right now. Wives, there are things you shouldn't be doing right now. Teens, there are some things you shouldn't be doing right now. Listen, there are things that all of us shouldn't be doing because they're contrary to being a child of the light. Right? Those who walk in darkness, man, they've seen a great light. Thank you, Jesus. And then the last part is this, is that multiplication, multiplication is essential. He says there in verse three that you've enlarged the nations, right? That Hebrew mean, that Hebrew word means to increase. It means to fill to the max, right? Listen, I've said this, I'll keep saying it, man, sugar-free, Ice vanilla coffee, extra ice at McDonald's, better than Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, you name it, right? Best, best iced coffee out there. All right, that's what I thought. I just wanted to check, right? So the McDonald's that I go to, and trust me, I've gone to them all, and there's only one that makes the coffee right. They have fired a bunch of employees and gotten a bunch of new people. Yeah, for a guy like me, that's painful, Right? Nothing more infuriating than watching new people try to make a simple recipe. It's six pumps, two pumps of cream, full of ice and ice. It's not complicated, right? Right? And here's what I don't like about new employees at McDonald's. They're rule followers. Right? Because their uniform is clean. Right? They're still wearing their name tag. Right? They're so excited to be there. And they're watching, and then when they first get set free, they know the person behind them is watching them to make sure they're following the rules. And here's one of the rules of McDonald's. If you look on the iced coffee cup, that plastic cup, there's a line on it about a half an inch from the top. And that's the line, that's the fill line, a half inch from the top. You see, new employees follow the rules, and that's all the fuller they make it. And I'm like, fill that baby to the max, right? So every time they give it to me, I just sort of look at it and I shake it 
And then I look at them just so they know, right? Just so they know, right? That, that eventually you're going to get to know me and that's not full to me. Okay. My $2 and 14 cents should fill that thing up. Right? Right? Listen, this is what the prophet says. He says, you've enlarged, you've filled to the max the nations because multiplication and increase is absolutely essential. And then he goes on to use this little obscure passage in verse four to talk about, about the, the overcoming at Midian. And he's referring to a story in the book of Judges about a man named Gideon who God said, I need you to deliver the nation of Israel from the bondage of these Midianites. And Midian was a scourge. They were like termites. They were like ants everywhere. 100,000 people in their army. Gideon had an army of about 30,000, 33,000. And he thought, okay, I can do this. He didn't want to, but he did. And God, well, here's the problem. Your army's too big. Even though they got a hundred and you got 30 plus, it's too big. And eventually through a series of tests and asking people if they were afraid, if they didn't want 22,000 left, he's got an army of 10,000. He's like, okay, one to 10, not great odds, but it's still better than nothing. And God went, no, 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 it's too many. And then eventually through another series of tests, God dwindled down that 32,000 person army to 300 people. And God went, now we can go to war. 300 against 100,000, Gideon, we're set to fight. Here's the great thing about God's plan for multiplication. He doesn't need the numbers to win. You see, most churches, Acts, for Jesus left, Jesus said this in the book of Acts, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth. Most churches spend their whole life in Jerusalem. Joe Pudding woke up one day and went, why can't I do the church that goes to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth? Which is why Joe says, we're going to support a missionary in every country. We're going to support a missionary, a church planner in every state. Because Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth. It's one of the things I love about Tomoka. Is we don't think that our only mission field is Jerusalem. We think the world is our mission field. Can I get an amen, church? Right? Listen, and if you're in Palm Bay, and if you're in Deland online, you should be grateful that you're a part of a church that sees the gospel. It can go everywhere because multiplication matters. It just matters. And we were blessed a few years ago to have a chance to put our money where our mouth was at locally. And so we were approached by communities that were about to lose a church, a place where the gospel, a a place where hope was preached for those who walked in darkness to see a great light. And four years later, Deland or Palm Bay has continued to be a campus of Tomoka Christian Church led by Pastor David Fitzgerald. And Deland came on two years ago and it's led by Pastor Ben Brown. We want you to hear from them today about the work that God's doing as we continue to multiply this gospel. So check out this video. Hey, Tomoka, this is Pastor David coming at you. Because of the willingness and the heart of our church in Ormond, we are able to come alongside a church four years ago in Palm Bay and work together to see the light shine bright in this community. Today, because of that, we've been able to help and start the first cold night shelter in Palm Bay. We've been able to help and give over $3,000 to our local pregnancy resources. We've been able to partner with our elementary schools and create a food pantry as well as a clothing pantry. We, every Thursday, get to 
to meet with our local high school at Heritage High School and have a Bible study during every lunch period. But not only that, our basketball teams, the baseball team, softball, football team know of Tomoka Christian Church because of your willingness to step alongside of each other. Multiplication is essential to make this happen. When we come together and we work together, we can see all that God has in store for this community and in this world. Well, brothers and sisters, you know, the Bible instructs us in Genesis as God created man. He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Well, that multiplication concept that Jesus or God created for us is still being worked out here at Tomoka Christian Church. We are multiplying. We have different campuses. And on those campuses, we are doing the same thing, trying to multiply. So just let me tell you a minute about the land, what we're doing on the Deland campus as part of this multiplication process, we are beginning to increase in attendance. We're beginning to increase in, uh, in personal relationships with people as well as the city. So God is doing some fantastic stuff in Deland. So we're looking forward to watching how it grows. And we're looking forward in the future to be able to multiply that campus to another campus someplace else. So God's man take to us his order to us to be increase and multiply is what we're going to continue to do. So I thank you for giving me this time. God bless you. Have a great day. So, so blessed to have Pastor David and Pastor Ben continuing to do the work in those in those two communities. If you're in Palm Bay and Deland, man, you're fortunate to have those men and their teams there working with you. But Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, this is how we continue the work of multiplication. 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who'll be qualified to teach others. You gotta pass it on, right? Parents, you gotta pass it on to your, to your kids, right? And those kids, when they get kids, they need to pass it on as well. Listen, church, you gotta pass it on. You gotta pass it on in your communities. You gotta pass it on wherever you go. The only way multiplication works is you take the baton when God gives it to you and you pass it on to somebody else. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get tired of talking about the darkness and I just need a little hope. And this passage provides that hope that ultimately gloom and darkness can be removed because of Jesus. And so if you're in this space today, in Ormond, if you're online, if you're in Deland or Palm Bay, listen, we want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Here in Ormond, we're going to be right up here at the end of the service. We would love last, we'd love to speak with you. Last night, we, we saw this beautiful, this beautiful picture of brokenness when somebody who had come here, who'd walked in darkness, saw a great light. And we were able to watch God move them to confession of faith and be baptized into Christ after the service. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing, right? Absolutely. If you're in Deland, if you're in Palm Bay, Pastor David and Pastor Ben right up front will be there to walk you through that. If you're online, there's a button right there that just says, I have decided. Just press it. Somebody be with you. But we want to make sure that you have the opportunity to know Jesus. And for those of you who know Jesus, listen, we've got work to do because the story of the darkness that people are walking in is increasing every day. And listen, they just don't need people who can help tell them about how dark, dark can be. They need somebody to tell them how to get out of it. And man, if you know Jesus, let's start telling people. Amen, church. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for our hope. Thank you for 
the testimony that you put upon our lips um, as we've been rescued from that kingdom of darkness and into this kingdom of his marvelous light. And so, Father, I pray for our church. I pray for our church in Ormond. I pray for our church in Palm Bay. I pray for our church in Deland. Father, my prayer for our church is that wherever we find ourselves, that we would be a people who would sing the praises of that person who delivered us. And that person is Jesus. And so, Father, thank you for the testimony you put on our lips. Remind us to live as children of light. Remind us that the only way to lead people out of darkness isn't just with our words, but it's also with our actions. So make us people who live as children of the light as we lead others to the hope that's found in Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.